You're listening to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast, recorded on Sundays in Robbinsville, New Jersey. Our goal is to help you grow from root to fruit. Thanks for tuning in. We're so glad you're here. All right. I want to invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 2. As we said, we're going to continue our masterpiece series. So Ephesians chapter 2. Um, and if you were able to be with us last week, uh, I gave you a little insight into my upbringing, my growing up years in uh, the wonderful, incredible little town called Lawrenceville. It was just such a magical experience growing up and uh, going to Lawrence Middle School and Lawrence High School. And yeah, it was just, uh, man, really formative years for me. But uh, in that time, I really enjoyed their art programs. I think that was something I shared. You know, I just, I love art. I know it doesn't, uh, I may not look artistic, you know, but uh I, 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 I enjoy it. I don't know if I call myself an artist. Somebody said, I didn't know you were an artist. I said, did I say that? I don't know if I said I was an artist. I just said I like art. I enjoy it. Um, so I did. I, I took all the uh, art classes that they offered. Um, and uh, one, one of the classes I took was a class called Pottery and Sculpture. Has anybody ever taken a Pottery and Sculpture class? A few. There's a few people that have taken that stuff. Okay, so you kind of actually know a little bit about what I'm going to go into. Um, I wasn't the best at Pottery and Sculpture. Um, uh, but it was fun. It was a lot of fun. If you've ever done it, um, you get to get dirty and you get to put your hands and stuff. It's like Play-Doh kind of for grown-ups, for high school kids at least. It was, it was a lot of fun. And uh, what you had was you had a, a mixer of, of clay. So there would be this, this mixer that would kind of spin. And you'd grab like a handful of this clay because it was just constantly keeping it from drying out. And you get this clay and you'd put it on a, it's called a wheel. You'd plop it on the wheel and you'd spin it. Right? And so we started with a kick wheel, right, where you had to sit there and you actually had to kick it. And you'd kick it and you'd do this. And then uh, if you really wanted to get adventurous, you could go to the automatic ones that would you turn it and it would just spin for you. There was something actually kind of like therapeutic about the kick wheel, though. I was like, I kind of like this. I kind of like doing it myself. And you just kept going. You just sit there. I felt, I felt like I was you know, transplanted like the 1800s or something. You know? <laughs> and seriously, it's the kind of stuff I did in high school. I was like, oh, this is great. I don't know. It was fun. Um, and then if you liked what you made, what you created as you made a pot or a bowl or vase or whatever you were trying to do and get fancy. If you liked it, you would cut it from the bottom, you'd, you'd remove it, and then you'd put it in something called a kiln, which we had in, 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 the, in the art room. And it was basically like a big oven, and uh, it gets like super hot. And you would fire, right, that's what they call it, you would fire your pot. And it would, uh, it would harden, and it would like cook it, and get it to where it would become like the pots, like the terracotta pots and things that you know now. And then, the next step, if you really liked it, and you came out, then you could, you could paint it with a, what they call a glaze. You could glaze the pot. And then you put it back in the kiln and fire it again in the second time. And you could do layers and layers of, of glazing to make all sorts of effects. Um, but if you didn't like what you had made when you were on the wheel, you would just take it and throw it back in the mixer. And you try again the next day. Right? You come back again. Um, I don't know how many things I actually made, like that actually made it to the kiln. It was very few things that I made that was like, yeah, we should keep this. Most of it was like, oh, that was, that was a good use of my time. I didn't have to do math. Um, that was good. I'm going to throw it back in. And it was just fun. Um, I just had fun getting messy. So clay is like super soft. If you've ever worked with like any sculpting clay, it's, it gets very soft and pliable. It's easy. It's kind of like Play-Doh. Um, but you need to keep adding water as you turn it, right? As you spin it, you need to keep adding water to your clay because as you're doing this, it, it just dries out, right? The moisture begins to dry. And so the clay itself dries out. So you keep adding, you get like a little bucket of water, you just kind of drop some water in there. And, and if it gets too wet, though, it, it turns into like slop. And it just sort of melts down. You're like, oh, that's a mess. Spraying everywhere. You're like, oh, that's a mess. 
Right, so there's like a fine line between, you know, just the right amount of moisture in it. It's, it, it's an art, right? It's actually an art form of, of spinning this and, and, and creating this stuff. And there was one time I forgot to put what I had made. I, I forgot to, I, I took it off the wheel, and I had, but I forgot to put it back in the mixer at the end of the class, and I went home. And uh, I left it out overnight. The next day when I went back in, it was like completely dried out and hard. And I had like wasted all this clay. And I was like, I was, I was a little concerned I was going to get in trouble. Um, so I grabbed it and I was on my way to the trash um, to throw it out. And the teacher caught me. I was like, oh, and like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm throwing out my dry clay. Um, and I learned a life lesson that day. Um, things left unattended, right, um, become hard to change. Things left unattended become hard to change. What's true about clay, right, because it was left out, and then, like, once it's left out and dry, you're not going to reform that, right? It's just, it's just, it's like you ever leave Play-Doh out, turns into, like, shards of glass. I don't know what happens to Play-Doh. It gets incredibly dangerous. Um, So things left out, left unattended, become hard to change. And I was just going, you know, that's, that's pretty much true about us, right? That's, that's true in life of, of people. We're like, we're like clay. I actually, um, like the, over time, you know, I actually made a chart about this. Yeah, you can put that chart up there. Okay. It's about the difficulty of change over time. A lot of research went into this. I'm telling you, this is like, this is a lot of study. It's brilliant, isn't it? Isn't it? I mean, is it, you mean you get this, right? So the difficulty of change over time. Self-explanatory, right? I mean, seriously, you can, you can tweet that. You can say, hey, I mean, listen, this researcher at church was talking about the difficulty of change over time. I think you should write a book about it. You know, when we start out, we're soft and we're moldable, right? And it's easy to change. But somewhere over time, we become more aware of the pain of change, right? Kids will change, right? Right? Change. Listen, some of you right now, to change your hairstyle, ooh, Oh, there are some people, listen, we talk about it, right? The train, right? When you get off the train, the fashion train, we talk about that. You know, the train moves through the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and some of you get off at different stops, right? We know when you got off the stop. Everybody knows when you got off the train. Okay, the same thing with your hair. Like, we know when you got off the hair train, you know? I'm not going to even, I'm not even going to start talking about hairstyles. I'm just saying, you know, you know, there are certain pastors, we get together with pastors, Oh, man, it's impressive. Kevin, why are you laughing? Uh, there are pastors. It's been at least 40 years. Not a single thing is different. Not a single hair is out of place. You know who I'm talking about, too. You know exactly the same people that I'm talking about. I mean, it's like the comb over is just perfection. You know, like they have it going on. Um, the longer we live a certain way, the harder it is to change because we become more aware of the pain of change. And sometimes we, we lean towards sameness. And we'll call it things like stability, right? We'll call it things like wisdom and tradition. And that's the way we've always done it. And like over time, it just gets harder to change because we like it this way and we're comfortable this way. And we just don't want to change because we're happy with the way it is. Why do you have to mess with a good thing? The couch was great there. Why do we have to move the couch? Right, Anna, why do we have to move the couch? The longer we live a certain way, the harder it becomes to change, and our clay starts to grow hard. Life has a way of just hardening us as we are. We're all sitting here, and let me tell you, the older you are, the truer this is. 
telling you, I got a chart to prove it. I, I do. Um, and along the way, though, something dangerous happens. Right? We go from thinking this way to thinking that we actually can't change. Not only don't we want to change, but we actually begin to believe that we can't. It's no longer an option. Change, you just, oh, I, I can't. Right? There are attitudes I'm just not going to get over. Right? There are personality flaws that just become part of me. Bad habits I'm never going to break. Beliefs I'm never going to abandon. Right? We grow harder and harder and more set in our ways. And if we can't change, we begin to identify ourselves by those things. Right? So what are you talking about? Here's what I'm talking about. Maybe you've heard this. Maybe you've said this. Things like, I am a control freak. That's what I, that's what I am. I just, I just have to control everything. And I, I just know that about myself. I am a hothead. That's just how I am. You know, that's how I grew up. Right? I, I, I am depressed. That's just who I am. I begin to identify myself by my pain. I am shy. Right? I am a stressed out, hot mess. Right? That's what I am. I am opinionated. I just am. You know, I am hard to love. Right? I'm just a difficult person. That's what I am. See, because somewhere along the way, we don't think we can change. And every day we accept that hardness. We leave ourselves out on the shelf to dry just a little bit more. And we dry and we dry. And we lose hope that we can ever get back to being moldable. It's just what I am. Did you know there's a difference between clay and concrete? Once concrete dries and sets, right, it's done. It is done, right? Because, and you want to walk, I, I can prove it, because when you walk out, you're going to walk out, out on concrete slabs. And we had a lot of rain this week, yeah? And guess what? That's still hard. Doesn't change it. I mean, downpour. You want to talk about, that's plenty of water. Guess what? It's not changing. It doesn't change at all. But clay is actually different. See, because when I went to throw my dried pot out, the teacher stopped me and said, what are you doing? I said, I'm throwing it out. And they said, no, no. Take that and just throw it back in the mixer. Like, what are you talking about? It's dried out clay. It's, I don't understand. What I learned was that even dry and crusty clay can be rejuvenated as water and the mixer starts to stir it up. That clay can actually be brought back to life. Oh, I thought I... Oh, like I was ready for like getting reamed down. They're like, where are you going? No, 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 just throw it back in the mixer, right? Like I'm like, this is dry. It's all yeah, just throw it back in. The water is going to change the quality of it. We rejuvenate it. It regains its quality. Sometimes we live like we're concrete and we're actually clay. We think we cannot change anymore. But the truth is, you can you can change. And if we're clay and those parts of our life that have grown hard can actually change, if that's true, then why aren't we changing? Why do we continue to say, I am this way, I am this way, I am this way, and I can't change? Why do we say that? I'm so glad you asked that question. It's a great question. It's a spiritual question. I think God has an answer for that question. Um, so we're going to look at that. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 will be on the screen if you'd like to read along. In those Bibles, you can. As always, if you need a Bible and you don't have one, take it. They're our gift to you, please. Um, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, it says this. It says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, 
says you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. So let's pause. We were. What were we? What were we? We were dead. We were living in sin. We were obedient to the devil. We were just like everybody else. We were refusing to obey God, led by short-sighted desires. We were subject to God's anger. Let me tell you, we used to be delightful. We were really great people. (laughs) Uh, You know, thankfully, Paul doesn't stop writing there. But just to be clear, we were awful. But, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, but God... Let me tell you, those are some of the two best words on the planet. But God. We were, but God is so rich in mercy. And he loved us so much that even though, yep, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you have been saved. Verse 6, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. You remember this last week. So God can point to us all in future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us. As shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. And here we go. Ready? The verse I want to focus on this morning. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. Let's take a minute and pray. Heavenly Father, I ask You to help make this Scripture verse written so many years ago, relevant and real to us today. I believe every single person in this room, for whatever reason they are here today, they need to hear something in this message. There is something that every one of us desperately needs to hear. Lord, I ask you to point it out. Lord, set off alarms in our head when we hear it and let us know it's you. In your name we pray. Amen. You were a mess in sin. I was a mess in sin. But because of Jesus now, here's what it says we are. It says we are no longer dead but alive and raised from the dead. It says we, we have a seat in heaven with your name on it. Right? You're, you're on the wall. Right? You have a place there. You are loved. You are united with Jesus. God brings you close and he loves to live in you. You are a masterful exhibition of his love. You are saved from judgment. The judge came out and said case dismissed. Nothing owed anymore, paid in full, right? And get this, he says, you are made new. Sometimes we think we can't change. There's some really stubborn people in this room. I may be one of them. But like water to pottery, something happens when we get thrown into the mix with God. Something happens when we throw ourselves back in the mixer. He softens and changes our quality and transforms us into something new. We were old. We were dried out. We were a mess. But when God enters the picture, change happens. God has the power to change you. Please hear this this morning. 
You don't have to be the way you are. You don't have to be the way you are. No, you don't know me. You don't know my story. You don't know how much pain. You don't know how bad you are. I'm sorry. I'm trying to tell you what God says. He says, I have the power to change you. I don't care who you are. If you are sad, he can make you someone joyful. If you are angry, he can make you peaceful. If you are enslaved by addiction, he can set you free. If you are empty, you can be satisfied. If you are hopeless, you can be made hopeful. If you are in here and you feel lost, you can be found. If you are broken, you can be made whole. If you are blind, you can see. If you are sick, you can be well. And if you are dead, you can live. That's like the trump card. What else do you say after that? No, you don't know me. He said, hey, if you're dead, I can make you alive. There's nothing God can't change in us. He just read it and said, listen, I know who you were. I know who you are, and still I promise I can make you new. Guess what I call that? I call that my masterpiece. Just taking the old and making it new. Taking what's dead and bringing it to life. There's, it's not the first time God has said this. You go back to Ezekiel. Ezekiel is a crazy, a crazy story. God is speaking to a prophet named Ezekiel, just some guy, and God speaks to him, and he gives him this crazy message. This is interaction. Ezekiel records a conversation. I'm going to read it for you, and just buckle up. Right, it sounds like something out of the walking dead, right? He says this, The Lord took a hold of me, Ezekiel chapter 37, took a hold of me and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. To a valley filled with bones. How does that sound like fun? Hey God, can you take me to a valley of bones? Now Craig just got back from Disney. I don't know, man. Valley of bones, Disney? Like, I mean, that's pretty close. I would like the valley of bones, right? He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Dried out bones. Then he asked me, son of man, ah, this question. Can these bones live again? O sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Seriously, you're asking me? Ezekiel's like, I don't know. Uh... Then God said to me, speak a prophetic message to the bones and say, dry bones. Listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you. I'm going to make you live again. I'll put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life and then you will know that I am the Lord. Ezekiel says, so I spoke this message just as he told me. And suddenly, as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bodies, but still they had no breath in them. Are you getting the visual? You're seeing this. Then the Lord said to me, speak a prophetic message to the wind, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath from the four winds, breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me. And breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. And then he said to me, son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying, we have become old, dry bones. 
All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. These were people who had given up hope at that time in their history. They had given up all hope of redemption. God had they felt God had abandoned them. There was no hope left in rescue. Nothing was ever going to change. We're enslaved and we're going to be enslaved for the rest of time. They had given up hope. And God says, let me tell you, those bones represent you, people who have given up hope. And he says this, verse 12, therefore prophesy and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will open up your graves of exile and I will cause you to rise again. And I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, oh, my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you and you will live again and return home to your own land. Let me just tell you, God does not promise small. He doesn't promise little things. He doesn't say, you know, I'll just change you a little bit. I'll give you a little bit better. I'll make things a little bit better. No, he says, I will make the dead things in you live again. Could God promise bigger? Listen, I'm sure there are some of you today. But as you're sitting in here, you're going, I wish I could believe that. But this all sounds like just religious, you know, optimism. That's just a nice little message that you throw out there to people. But something inside is holding you back. Maybe it's been so long that you've been the way you are. And you're like, man, we're talking decades. I've been this way for decades. Maybe there are others all around you who are telling you, man, you're never going to change. I've, I've, I've walked with you and I've seen you over and over again and you can't change. And they have spoken into you the belief that you can't change. You're the way you are and they don't believe in you. Maybe you feel like you don't deserve to change. You know, I've, I messed up so many times. I need to suffer. It's my penalty for what I've done. I don't deserve change in my life. Listen, I don't know your story, but I do know this. My God says that what is dead in you will live again. He says that's his masterpiece. That's what he wants to do in you. He said, I am the master of making old things new. Can I challenge you? Stop saying that's just how I am. I don't want to hear that anymore. I don't think any of us have a right to say that anymore. I read a book said we shouldn't say that anymore. Language of accountability. You ever read that? Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Eighth Habit, right? All this kind of stuff. Don't. So let's say, how about we adopt this more accurate phrase? Instead of saying, that's just how I am, how about we just say, that's just how I choose to be? Can we do that? Can we just agree that, that, that that's just how I am, that's off the table? If you want to live that way, that's fine, but you've got to say from now on, that's just how I choose to be. And instead of saying, you know, um, I can't do anything about the way I am, how about we say, I choose not to do anything about the way I am? Like, if you want to be honest. Because that's what, that's, that's what we're saying here. Because those are more true statements. You are not who your parents were. You are not who your friends say you are. You are not who you were yesterday. Let me tell you, you God is powerful enough to change every single thing about you. There is no place in our lives where we can sit there and go, I can't change. No, you can't. God can. He said he'll do it. So stop saying you can't. He's the God who breathes life into dead things and brings them back again. So we need to stop saying that we can't change. You know what we need to start doing? We need to start saying what God says about us. In your programs, if you take them out right now, everybody take out your program. In there should be a little index card, right? I am statements. Would you take those out? Everybody take out 
If you don't have one, maybe they'll be on the screen as well. So we can put them up there in just a moment. In your program, there are words to declare every morning. So here's what we, every, every series we do an X factor. An X factor is something that we suggest for you to help you grow in your faith. Our, our theme this year is Jesus at the center. This helps us put Jesus at the center of our life, the center of our attention, the center of our identity. That's what we're talking about in this series. Jesus at the center of our identity, of how we understand ourselves. I encourage you, every morning when you wake up, would you read that out loud? That's it. It won't take you long. Eight statements. Read it out loud. There are scripture verses there. In your time, when you have some time, read them. Maybe as a family, when you get together at dinner, read them together. These are statements. But let me tell you, it's more than statements. You know what that is? That's called a battle cry. It's a declaration of war. That's what that is. On the hardness of our hearts, there's an enemy who wants you to buy the lie that you can't change. And when you read this stuff and declare it out loud, God is in the transformation business. As you speak them out loud, you defeat and silence the lies of the enemy. You welcome water of God to saturate your soul, change the old into new. You are throwing your old dry self back in the mixer and saying, I refuse to sit here and say, I can't because God says I can and I'm going to change. Revelation chapter seven, John tells us of a great war in the heavens. There's this huge war going on between angels and demons, all this stuff going on. And he says, this is what secures victory. Ready? He says they overcame by the blood of the lamb, by what Jesus does, the sacrifice and by the word of my testimony, by my mouth, by what I say. They're not just words. You're not just saying. You are saying the truth of God and it defeats the enemy. Every morning, I am. I am. This is who I am. When you declare what Jesus can do, you triumph. Can we just say this right now? Come on, to war. To war, right? Let's go. To war. We're going to put them up on the screen. I'm going to invite you to read them with me right now. We're going to say them out loud. Would you put those up on the screen? All right, here we go. Let's say it out loud with me, would you? I am God's masterpiece. Next one. I am a new creation. I am free from the power of sin. I am forgiven. Here we go. Keep going. I am free from condemnation. I am redeemed. I am now alive with Jesus. I am free to live a victorious life through Jesus. Come on. That's what we're going to say every day. Come on. Let's clap that up. That's good stuff right there. We're just doing war. We're doing war. I'm a little fired up today. We're talking about fire and kilns. I don't know. I'm, I'm a little fired up. I'm sorry. The word masterpiece actually translates. The Greek word is poema. It comes from the word for poem. It's a poem. It's the art, the craft of God. What he's created. This past week, uh, I got a chance to go to, uh, I had to go to a funeral for my great uncle, my dad's uncle. He was a great man of faith. Um, out on Long Island, he was, I mean, he's a legend. Uncle Sal. Uncle Sal Greco. Come on, I mean, that's like a good name. Salvatore. Salvatore. I mean, that's a good name, right? Got his doctorate in education, was a minister, was a principal of a school. He just did lots of good stuff. He was really a hero in our family because of the role he played to my dad. My father didn't have a dad. It was his dad's brother that assumed that role. He was like a father to my father. I'm not here today without Uncle Sal. Plain and simple. I'm not here without him. And uh, his granddaughter shared a poem that I was sitting there going, I've heard this poem before. You may have heard it before. I'm going, you know what? That's just too good for today. It's too fitting. I've got to share it. If you've heard it before, indulge me. 
kind of my connection to Uncle Sal this week, my tribute to him. I think it fits with our message if you haven't heard it before. It's called The Touch of the Master's Hand, and it goes like this. Well, it was battered and scarred, and the auctioneer felt it was hardly worth his while to waste much time on the old violin, but he held it up with a smile. Well, it sure ain't much, but it's all we've got left. I guess we ought to sell it, too. Now, who'll start the bid on the old violin? Just one more and we'll be through. And then he cried, give me one dollar. We'll make it two. Only two dollars. We'll make it three. Three dollars twice. Now, that's a good price. Now, who's going to bid for me? Raise up your hand now. Don't wait any longer. The auction's about to end. Who's got four? Just one dollar more to bid on this old violin. Well, the air was hot, the people stood around as the sun was setting low. And from the back of the crowd, a gray-haired man came forward and picked up the bow. He wiped the dust from the old violin and he tightened up the strings. And then he played out a melody pure and sweet, sweeter than the angels sing. And the music stopped and the auctioneer, with a voice that was quiet and low, said, now what am I bid for this old violin? And he held it up with the bow. And then he cried out, one, give me one thousand, we'll make it two. Only two thousand, we'll make it three. Three thousand twice, and that's a good price. Come on, who's going to bid for me? The people cried out, what made the change? We don't understand. And the auctioneer stopped and said with a smile, it was the touch of the master's hand. You know, there's many a men with his life out of tune, battered and scarred with sin. And he's auctioned cheap to a thankless world, much like that old violin. But then the master comes, and that old foolish crowd, they never understand the worth of a soul and the change that is wrought just by one touch of the master's hand. Let me ask you today, Are you willing to allow the Master to reshape you today? Are you willing to give Him your pain, your hurt, your fears, your anger, your addiction, your secrets, your brokenness? And will you give Him the opportunity to slowly begin to work on you, to soften you, to restore, to transform, to bring back to life those parts that you thought were dead? We're no more. I love this quote. I invite the band to come on back. I love this quote by a guy named Lee Strobel. He wrote a book called The Case for Christ. He said, Jesus did not come into the world to make bad people good. He came into the world to make dead people live. Today I'm going to give you an opportunity to ask Jesus to pour out his living water on you. To revive you and to change what you thought was unchangeable. So I'm just going to ask you, would you just close your eyes? We're going to pray. It's going to take a moment. I want to give you an opportunity this morning. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, today we acknowledge that we have allowed parts of our lives to harden. Or there are things inside of us that have dried out, have left unattended parts that we don't think we can even change anymore. Attitudes, beliefs, feelings, behaviors. God, would you forgive us? 
for thinking that we can't change anymore. And God, I thank you for letting us know that that's just not true. That you said your greatest masterpiece is to make us anew in Christ Jesus. That's what you do. You take dried out, dead, old things. And you breathe life into them. It's not about making bad people good. It's about making dead people live. And if you can do that, there's nothing you can't do. And as we pray this morning, Heavenly Father, Lord, we accept and acknowledge that we can be changed. That you can make us something new. But perhaps today is the day where someone who has lived such a long time in an old way. If that's you today and you're sick and tired of living that way and you want to believe but you just it seems so impossible. Would you take a, just a step of faith this morning? Would you say, God, I, it's, gonna, it's for sure going to be a masterpiece if you can change me. Would you invite the master to work in your life? To make what is old, new. To make what is broken, whole. To make what is dead, alive. So that's you this morning. Would you just simply raise your hand and invite God to work a masterpiece in you? Just right now. Right where you are. God, I need you to do a masterpiece in me. Just raise your hand in faith. God, see our hands. God, we, we, we put them way up. We need you. We need you to work in our lives. God, we, we need you to change those broken things in us, to restore, to heal, to soften those hard places. And we invite you to work in our lives, God. But help us to refuse to listen to people who tell us who we are, who have no idea who we are. Instead, Lord, would we just affirm that we are who you say we are. Lord, I thank you that you never give up on us. Or that when we are left on a shelf for years and years and years, or that you don't ever give up on us. You never take it and just throw it in the garbage. Lord, you believe in what's inside of us, perhaps deeper than we can see. Your love for us knows no limit. Lord, with Isaiah, we say, oh Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are formed by your hand. We invite you today, make us. Lord, remake us into what you know that we can be. Lord, work your masterpiece in us. Thank you, God. Thank you for loving us. Thanks for listening to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit us at wearelifetree.com or on Facebook and Instagram at wearelifetree.com.